You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. You're listening to episode 280 of PHP Ugly, a weekly podcast where you cannot bitch slap us. I'm your host, Eric Van Johnson, <laughs> and with me is John Congdon. You did not go there. And Tom Rideout. Oh my goodness. You're, You're muted, muted, Tom Rideout. Certainly can, I just have to fly for a while first. O-M-G... What did it week? No. How's everybody doing? Happy to be back. That's for sure. Happy to have you back, Mr. Congdon. Happy yeah. to have you back. Missed hanging out with you guys last week. Uh, did you though? I mean, no, not really. Is a strong word. <laughs> I will. I will tell you the podcast <laughs> suffered for your absence. I sounded like it. Wait, wait, what? <laughs> it was just Tom and I staring awkwardly at each other. What's up? So. <laughs> PHP, huh? Yeah. <laughs> All right, we gotta fix we gotta fix the PHP ugly emoticon in Discord. That's already bothering me. Uh, what? What's your, what are you talking about? The PHP ugly emoticon. Discord. 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 Discord.phpugly.com. Join us live. Hang out with us. It's a blast. Ask us questions. Ask everybody questions. We, we, we don't. We don't. Yeah. We, we don't know the. We don't know the. Tell answer. us. Well, okay. Tell us when we're wrong. That's more frequently what happens in the Discord. <laughs> so uh, endless content that way. What, what is? What's everybody been up to this week? Anything fun? Oh boy, yeah. I've I've been having a killer time with like a big refactor, and I know I I know I say this every time I like refactor something, but. God, I just I love. It's like one of my favorite things to do is is move a ton of stuff around and rename a bunch of stuff and find all the places where it's used and then like run the test suite and the test suite's like got it good to go and then like just keep doing like just do that for hours and hours. It's so fun. It's fun when you have a test suite that you trust. When you yes. have a test suite to begin with and you trust it. Yes. Now I didn't like it before I had this job that had a test suite that I trust. But now it's like we have rules on every PR. It has to test all good and bad cases. And like we can't, you can't even push to uh, develop without having test cases. So it's, it's very nice in a code base you can trust. And that's mostly what I've been doing and then dealing with the QA stuff, which we'll get into later. Now, when you say you can't even push to develop, what stops you from doing it? Just we have other people or is there an actual automated process that says you can't? We have an automated process that requires two approvals from uh, uh, a PR to get pushed into develop. And everyone who's on the approvals team knows you have to test things correctly. Okay. So it's a ma- it's still a manual process of somebody making sure that it's tested before. It yeah. So our, our eventual okay. goal is actually to have a code coverage uh, analysis and to require a certain amount of code coverage passing to continue a ticket. I've been looking for that, but the problem is I want a percentage of code in the PR to be passing, not percentage of the entire code base. So going back to our Discord, I, I brought this up. That's a very interesting distinction you just it made is. there, John. Um, going back to our Discord, I wanted the same thing, and 
there is a command to get files that changed in this branch or in this PR and pass that to your code inspector. And that will give you what you're looking for so that you you know that you're positive one or two or minus one or two percent on coverage because of this PR. Huh. We have to check that out. Uh, and there's a service that can do this stuff too called Codacy, which I've started using uh, again recently. And it's it's an interesting little creature. Codacy? Codacy. So it basically looks in the root of your project for PHP MD and PHP uh, CS uh, files, you know, fixer and, and doctor files, and runs them against your code every time there's a push to uh, Git. And then gives you a report that says, hey, you know, we've got two or three errors that are flagged by you as high, you know, high issue. Your strings are too long or you've got an unused variable. Uh, And it does only apply to the branch that you're on, not to the (laughs) branch that you've pulled from. So it's that's I'm hoping to be able to leverage that to do uh, code coverage as well. I will definitely check that one out. Sounds interesting. I have no idea what the price of it is because I am a uh, privileged employee of a startup. And so I just get all the toys for free. It's actually, it's $15 a month. Oh, per user. $15 per, yeah. per user per, per month. It's like, why does it got to be per user for something like this? Charge me. Especially if it's just, if it's watching a brand, like if it's watching for a pull request, like uh, how's, uh, how's that even? They deserve even money. Dis- they write sasses. They deserve money. I, I'm not. I'm not disagreeing. But why? <laughs> certain things are not a per user. Why do my? Why would all my employees have to log into this versus just I it watching my Git branch? So my Git, I, I can tell. I can, I can answer this. We had another service that was doing code reviews, and they charged us on a basis of how many reviews or how many pushes we did uh, per month. And when we hired, you know, 15 new people, we weren't aware that that price was going to spike enormously. And the department that handles the money would rather have a predictable amount they have to pay than a per usage cost that they can't account for on a quarterly budget. So they'd actually, they'd actually rather pay more quarterly than they would have uncertainty quarterly. And I, I get that, but there's still the per user aspect of something where I'm not understanding why users are logging in. I think it's just a way of and- it's a way of accounting for the frequency of how how you know something has to run without saying. Yeah, but it runs. It, that, that was that, that was one of my points. Is it runs the same amount of time? Like it it doesn't. Well, no, run it runs on once it. for each user. No, it does. It runs. It runs every time I push right. a, Every time I push a branch to GitHub. No. Yeah. No, I get I get that, but that's not that shouldn't be a per user because it's watching a branch. What they're paying a per user is to log in to see the results, and those are just generated or should just be generated one time. So it doesn't matter how many people look at them; it's not like it's generating those results for each user. I believe it inspects the person who pushed to GitHub and if they have permission to be audited by the system. Oh, that would oh, oh I don't like that at all. But you've got That's to horrible. you've got to price it out some way that people can understand. Yeah, you you price it out where it's a flat fee. But it can't why be, is that so difficult? But, it, but a, a ten person company versus a two hundred person company is not going to be a flat fee. It's a, a yeah, it can be a flat fee. Charge them 
X amount of money every time somebody pushes to this branch. I don't care who pushes to the branch. But that's what I say. If I say run this test against every pull request open up to dev. But that's exactly what, what do I my boss wants to avoid. Is the people managing the budget want to avoid having something that is a different bill. It's a different amount every month. They we, want we it. May, we, we do, you may we open do 100 plans. pull requests this month versus 20 next month. And yeah. the bill's going to like fluctuate all over the place. Right. Oh, you, you like making making bad API calls? I wonder why he's a little nervous about these uh, models. <laughs> There's no um, reason. There's no reason. I don't even know why you would bring that packages, up in public. Right? You can say, "Hey, I want to. I want you know a hundred. I want to buy the hundred test package, and then if I run over a hundred, I either run. they either don't they don't run, or I know I have to pay." Okay, more. so then you know, there's so warning. then there's a there's you're, a f- you're you're meeting your quote. Then there's you a just failure argue point. With us. No, I'm saying that. So you, you that would be that would be perfectly us. nice if it worked, but when there's when the, when all of development stops. Because the person who's running finance development doesn't stop. You're just your test suite. Your 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 extra cushion of testing stops. But we have a rule. It doesn't stop your work. But we have a rule in our PRs you're like, that it you're has like to be approved. With the child. You're like arguing with it. No, no, that doesn't work because uh, you know I'm the one no. running the software. I'm just saying a per user <laughs> when when you're running a team of developers and you're charging per user on a on a product that just runs test against a branch it's stupid it's, it's a stupid model and you should agree with us and it's, well, it's ev- upsetting to me that you don't every branch every time it's updated yeah i agree I, well, I don't care how many branches it is so you're saying it only runs when a certain person pushes to a certain branch it runs when and in your mind that is not a broken flow that is not a broken development flow that seems perfectly reasonable to you yes <laughs> People deserve okay. fifteen bucks per user for these kinds of services. I have no problem with people making money. I ple- Listen, don't you preach to me about charging for a service, Mister? I never pay for a movie. People shouldn't <laughs> have to pay for art. Bullshit, hypocritical mother effer you are. I I'm perfectly okay with it. I'm saying as a business owner, that's a bad model, and I would never use it. Well, I can't say you never use it because so you use you- it plenty. <laughs> I'll tell you that much. What'd you do this week, Eric? Besides <laughs> argue with children. <laughs> God, I can imagine when the kids were younger and you just take them to the playground. Explain the concept of fairness to someone else's child. You don't get it. The swing sets are for everyone. It was worth worse than that. I'm like, the duck doesn't wear pants. He has a shirt on. He has a hat on. He's not wearing pants. There's something wrong there. Right. Why don't you just admit it? But Mickey's got the pants and doesn't have the shirt. I feel like there was you a know, collaboration there. It's a confusing time. <laughs> <laughs> it still is. <sighs> it's getting more confusing got, every got, Thursday. I got, I got a new toy. Uh, somebody in Discord wanted me to talk about my, my new toy. So I can't even I can't even lift the whole thing up. I got a, a separate. Uh, yeah, this bad boy. I got this. Um, so when I was homeless, which I wasn't really homeless, but uh, when I was between houses, um, I had to work a lot on my laptop, and it, it wasn't that bad. Uh, John was hosting my desktop, so you know, I could SSH in. I had this awkwardness where I was trying to use some remote tools from JetBrains that didn't really work out great. 
But, you know, I have my Kinesis keyboard that so I've be, been using for years. Be clear here, no fault of jet brains. Some people just don't know which port to plug a video card into. <laughs> <laughs> to be clear here, it was John. <laughs> the video card was in the right slot. The The cable to the monitor was in the wrong place. <laughs> so I, I've been using my Kinesis uh, Advantage 2 for a few years now. Yeah, it's been about and, like two and a half years. Yeah, and I, I've gotten pretty efficient with it. Now, I am not a a formally trained typist. Matter of fact, I am actually horrible at typing. Um, I was really bad with the standard keyboard. I mean, I'm your classic tech uh, typer, which is weird seeing how so much of my life was terminal and all that. I was just never great with typing. It didn't help that I have you know fat fingers and I was always uh, hitting the wrong key and all that. But with uh, the Kinesis, the more the more correctly you type, the better the experience is. And so over the last couple of years, I, I've gotten a lot more efficient with typing correctly. I'm still not great at it, and I still can't do it like on a traditional keyboard because my hands just like really you know are wrong. They don't feel right. So that's what I experienced when I was moving and I had to use my laptop. I'm like, man, I just I can't get efficient on this laptop anymore. It was just, I mean, it wasn't horrible. It's like, uh, it wasn't like, oh, I can't work. I can't work with this keyboard. It, it was just like, I, I, you know, I just wasn't happy with it. And so I'm like, okay, you know, I really want to get working now that the pandemic's winding down. I really like to get out of the house a little bit more, get down to San Diego uh, a little bit more often and just work remote like we did back in the day. So I'm like, you know, I wanted to get a keyboard that kind of kept the Kinesis layout but I was portable. That's what this was. I mean, this, you know, this, this has, uh, it has the little rest and everything. Let me get this turned around. And all this folds up and it, it actually has a very small form factor and has a little case you throw it in there. And that's the reason I, I really honestly got that. I didn't, I wasn't planning on using it full time. Um, as a matter of fact, there was another version that was closer to the Kinesis. It was a thicker version of this. And I'm like, man, I'm kind of thinking maybe I'd want that, but I don't, didn't want to carry that one around. And since I wasn't going to use it full time, I just went ahead and with the Moonlander. This is a Moonlander, but if anybody's wondering. So it's got the little RGB colors, which wasn't a big deal for me. But So uh, where I was going with that, though, is I am this. I don't know, man. This might become my full-time keyboard. There's like some really nifty things with this keyboard. Uh, so the Kinesis has a concept of layers where, you know, keyboard can be different layers, but it's, it's not super simple to, to program and switch between layers and all that. This one is, you know, you can switch between layers very easily. What is a layer? What does that do for you? It just basically, I mean, it's just another version of the keyboard. So you can say, okay, layer one is your traditional layout. I have on mine, layer two is for media. So when I go to layer two, all the buttons have like media controls. And, you know, another cool feature of it is that on my layer two, it fully controls my mouse. (laughs) So as a Vim person who likes his fingers being on the keyboard, I can switch to a layer and I have full mouse movement, right click, left click, middle click, up, down, left, right. And I assign those keys. So the movement keys are the normal Vim movement keys, except it's moving the mouse now. And then my click keys are, are on my left finger. Um, so we're clear. So I disapprove this, of that wholeheartedly. That's absolutely fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. Oh, I know. It just encourages me more. I know. 
Um, so the the drawback I have is again big fat hand. You know, with the Kinesis, you know, one of my biggest loves of the Kinesis was this concaved uh, keyboard that I had, right? So when my hand rests here, my big fat hands, they rest perfectly. And that that's actually one of the things I'm missing on this keyboard because the keys, although they are, I forget what this is called. I think it's called vertically aligned keys. So the keys aren't offset. They're straight up and down. So if, if you look at a traditional keyboard, your keys are all offset one row above the other. This is how the kinesis is as well. It's straight up and down, but it's concave. And that is, that is, this here is forcing me to become even a better typist. Like this is unforgiving. My, my, uh, my kinesis is a little forgiving. So although I've become a much better typist, it's, I'm, I'm still not like to the level I should be as a paid developer, <laughs> but uh, the Moonlander is less forgiving. Like you really, and because the keys have different actions, depending on how you push them, how long you push them, how many times you push them. So you can tap, double tap, tap and hold. Uh, they all have. So you're typing Morse you know, code? <laughs> no, they all have different <laughs> actions. So. The coolest one, and I can disable this. I just haven't disabled it. So the one I do, which trips me up the most, is if you tap and hold a key, and it, it's only a fraction of a second. So it's not like you have to tap, hold, and wait for two seconds. It's like you're typing, you know, you just tap, 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 like that. If you do that extra fraction of a second, it will it will uppercase whatever that key is. So if it's a letter, it will be a capital A. Uh. If it's a symbol... Instead of a period, it'll be a you know the bracket. It's just this like little hesitation, which when it's working, it's great because you're not hunting. There there, there are shift keys, but you don't have to have shift keys. But there there are shift keys there, and because it's completely programmable, the first thing I did was loaded up the Kinesis layout. So all of my all of my Kinesis keys, especially these down here, got mapped to my new keyboard. So everything is where I expect it. And, and it is one of the things you have to get used to because if you look, with the exception of the letters, all these keys and all these keys have nothing on them, which is challenging for me because I'm one of these people where I will get lost and look down at my key and say, okay, where are my fingers? Where are the keys I'm trying to go to? But if I just, it's like, it's like using the force. You just close your eyes and say, okay, I know, you know, I know this key is here and I know that key is there. And <laughs> this so is, yeah, this is getting, getting close better. to stenography. <laughs> there's a stenography, there's a stenography uh, mode you can put this in. Oh, I you know. You can put it in stenography mode. I don't know how to do it. I mean, I don't, somebody tried to explain to me stenography and I, I couldn't figure it out. But It's multiple keys simultaneously. Yeah. It's like when you yeah. used to, so when you you can, used to have an, a you typewriter. You can key mash. Yeah. yeah, you can key mash this and say, okay, you know, if I hit these four keys, perform this action. But it's also a different language. Yeah. So it's yeah. you, like, but there's like situations where you can hit three keys at once and it puts a whole word on the display. It's Right, it, right. So, so this has that that functionality, and, and it. I mean, I thought about doing that for like addresses and and email addresses and my home address and things like that. To just you know, hit some keys and boom. But I haven't gotten there yet. So I'm liking it a lot. Like I'm liking it to the point where I'm like, man, maybe I'll just use this for from now on because you know, there's it has so much functionality. But then then I then I'm trying in Vim and like. 
you know, I, I hold A too long and it jumps to the end of, end of the line instead of, <laughs> instead of trying to do what the hell I wanted to do. Because <laughs> everything, everything in my system is Vim, right? I got, I got Vim plugins for, um, yeah, Vim plugins for my browser. That's the one that, kept, that that trips me up the most because I will hold down my J key to scroll a page. And now I can't. If I hold down my J key now, it just assumes I'm doing a capital J and, and moves to another tab. It's it's frustrating. <laughs> so, I mean, I have it in my browser. I have obviously I have my Vim editor I use. I have Vim mode on my command line. I mean, I have I use Vim everywhere in my system. So so those little those little hiccups trip me up, or trip me up a lot. I'm on I'm on the fence of disabling it. I was I gonna like say, it. can you can you turn that off? Yeah, it's so it. convenient to have, but I'm I might have to disable it. But I mean, is it it's, convenient? Is it convenient if you don't really use it? But you do use it. I mean, use it all the time. Like when you're typing in Slack and you're uppercase and lowercasing, and all you do is hit a, hit that letter a fraction of a second longer. I use it all the time. Hmm. I I can understand yeah. that functionality. I just there's there's times when I linger on a thought, and I, I currently use that time to let co- Copilot load up and tell me what I'm thinking about. So, <laughs> well, that, see, at first that's what I was doing. I'm like, okay, this is a this is a teaching moment because I was always bad at in Vim when I was in the Vim editor of scrolling with my with my J and K. Right? I'll just yeah pr- because it's weird and unnatural. Down. No, it's and, not. It's perfectly and natural. Instead, instead of doing like the 10J down or you know 20K up, you know, instead of jumping with lines like I should be doing, like a proper Vim user, I'll scroll. So I'm like, okay, this is a teaching moment. I'll I'll start to use, you know, I'll start to scroll through code properly in Vim now by using line numbers. Nah, that's pointless. Yeah, but you don't you don't <laughs> even have line numbers correct on your screen. It's it's absolutely current line minus correct. and plus. Your current line is always one. It's so you don't even relative. It's called relative number. It literally has a name. It's relative number. So what I, I so what I down. say, you've got an error. We, we've done this before too, where we've co coded. We've done pair programming. The fact that you can't comprehend you're this going you're going up and down and super fast. You're I'm a like, weaker developer because I'm like, of this. line eight, no line six, no problem. line one, no no line negative one. No, you keep moving too fast. Like I don't know what you're. You got to do what John says. John's figured it out. He says, "Okay, stop for a minute." Okay, jump up six. That's what John <laughs> says. John understands how to read it now. It doesn't mean I'm not annoyed by it. <laughs> you are coworkers. I just back you up right. when I can. So that's that's my life now. I don't know if I'm gonna. I, I don't know if I'm gonna go full time with it, but I'm very close to going full time. So with what it. you're saying is you want to co work more often, and we need to do that. Need, oh, you need... want to be part of that? Yeah, sure. I guess so. <laughs> well, you, you, Mister, you give me a hard time for. Driving by your house and not stopping, and you do the same thing to me this past weekend. Drive right by. Hey, okay. Speaking of which, Mister Three Miles is out of the way because you know the office is you know three miles away or whatever. You're not right off the 15. <laughs> I am literally off the the, the two fifty. You could have thrown a rock and hit my house right as you drove home. <clears throat> I am right off the fifteen. Anyway, hey, are you are you using the one wheel at all? Uh, no. Okay. Next time you see me, bring it. You want it? Maybe. Huh? Maybe. Yes, Mr. Daredevil needs another life-threatening device. Reason so everybody, have to- everybody at the glider port uses a one wheel. You don't say. Now, now I want to be in, in, in the in crowd and <laughs> ride around on that thing. So we might, we might have to buy a new <clears throat> adapter for it. 
I think the adapter got tossed in the move. I, I haven't found it yet, but besides that, I found everything else. So yeah, I can the, I can the definitely adapter move down with me. The power supply, the charge, the, the, the charge, the, the charging stand. Yeah, or just but, the or just the power adapter to the charging stand. The, just the plug, yeah, the power plug that goes in. Yeah, the stand is all there, but yeah. John, I see. I saw what? you. Uh, I saw you got some kind of flight license this week. I leveled up, so. Uh, last week I was gone. Um, I heard you guys say personal reasons. Uh, I'll just share that I said goodbye to my dad. Yeah, I knew when I flew to New York what was going on. Uh, that was hard. Uh, came back, and instead of getting back to work for one day, I still took my Friday and I went flying last week. And just to get my mind off of everything, got my last flight to become a P1 pilot. So I am no longer a student pilot. I am now a novice pilot. Uh, it was a lot of fun. They, the instructors were amazing. They let me, uh, I went off for the only flight I could. The weather was not the best and I just kept kiting my wings. So up on top of the hill, being able to keep the wing overhead and just play. And I was exhausted and the instructors knew it, but I was having so much fun. I'm like, I'm not stopping. I want to keep going. And they let me. And afterwards told me that they were letting me because they knew what I went through, you know, that week. Otherwise they would have said, John, you really need to stop here. <laughs> this is not good. <laughs> you need to you need to take a break. I'm like, no, I got this. Uh, obviously, obviously, our condolences. Thank you. Um, we did, like we said earlier, we missed you very much. Uh, and congratulations on uh, becoming a novice. <laughs> Thanks. It's one kind of like hey. Congratulations for not killing yourself yet. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> That's promising. Yeah. That, that's basically what it is because there's nothing you – I don't fully understand the point of the P1 license because most places that you want to go fly, they require you to be a P2. Uh, so P1 is more of just like, eh, we want to give you something. It's a step. You've you've done the bare minimum of a yeah. couple of flights. Still got you've both taken legs. Four flights. That's the funny thing is they 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 sell you can go and take a P one course by itself and then later take a P two or you can do the combined course which is what I did and you save a little bit of money that way I'm like who's gonna take just the P one course you can't do anything with that but whatever I had fun I'm still having fun doing it I mean this is you're still you're not like catching up drafts and stuff like that you're just taking the glide down well part of that's my fault so on my fourth flight. I went off the cliff and I'm not turning aggressively enough. I think if I would have gotten into my harness like I'm supposed to and then taken a hard turn, I could have gotten closer to the cliff, maybe got some uplift and had a longer flight. But because I didn't, it was just a, I got to do a few turns because I was learning uh, just a different technique of turning. More of a, if your brake line broke, here's another way to turn your glider. Right. So. I no. I I looked up some of this stuff. First off, the like the thing you're supposed to get in is basically like once you take off, you basically get in a halfway zipped up body bag, <laughs> <laughs> like just in case, like just in case if there's an issue at the bottom, they just finish zipping it up all the way. But then, like, I I thought this was like parachutes where you got the two handles, but you've got like you've got like eight handles. Like no, you, you have, got two. There's, but there's like a there's there's like different lines that you can pull differently to like sharply curve. Oh yeah, and like like yeah. there's well there's lines that 
yes, you can control more with those lines, but you really only use your brakes. The pulling on the other lines is dumb. They're they're holding the wing above your head, but in certain situations, you don't, could don't get me wrong. I think the whole thing do is more. Dumb. <laughs> like, like if you pull on the to the outside, you can collapse your wingtips so that you can sink faster. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. That's, I'm not. I'm not going down fast enough. I need to go down I, faster. Well, I, I was. I, I'm on a 3D printing group, and he was talking about making special handles for these extra lines he had on his para glider, and uh, and and he was like, "Yeah, now I can just do this," and I fucking plummet to the ground. I'm like, "Oh, that's great! Like, cool <laughs> technique." <laughs> of course it is. All right, enough of, enough about that. Eric and I got the April issue. It's going out tomorrow. Of what? On April 1st of PHP Architect Magazine. If you're not already subscribed, please go and subscribe at phparch.com. Uh, we, today we recorded, just recorded the March issue of PHP Podcast. <laughs> but we also recorded the April issue of PHP Podcast. So we are ahead of the game there. Behind in one and ahead in the other. So we're, I'm super excited about that. Uh, pretty much all ready to go. Uh, the actual actually goes live on the site tomorrow so we're we're ahead of the game and to be Love clear there, there's no reason for us to be excited we're not the contributors who are actually turned in the work early enough to get the magazine out but you know they're the ones who are the real heroes here not us i was gonna say do you have like a, a measure of how much oscar has contributed to each issue to know like how independent you're getting he, <laughs> he contributes every month because he writes an article the first couple of months, oh my gosh, we would say, hey, can you look at this? And he would rattle off like 50 things that we had, had wrong. Anymore, anymore, it's, you know, a couple things here and there, but not, it's not bad. Like the things that he's catching, if the issue went out like that, it'd probably be fine. He still catches more stuff than anybody else, though. Yeah. Although I do I like our far. new workflow where if you're a contributor to the magazine, you get an advanced look at it so you help us you basically help us proofread and catch any stupid stuff most people really pay attention to their article which is perfectly fine other people kind of scan through the whole thing and point out things we might have missed or just like hey did you mean for this to be like that yeah we i found that to be super helpful Mm -hmm. super helpful i definitely when we release i feel a lot more confident about the releases and for some reason I'll, we decided we're going to make the magazine have more articles. So we ad- we added two new uh, columns in the past couple of months. We have one on the, the PSRs, and we have one on Drupal. A PSR contributor is in our Discord. That would be F. Wallen in the Discord if anybody has any PSR-related topics oh. you'd like to see him write up about. Thank you, Frank. Definitely do that. Uh, yeah. yeah. Frankie boy. And then we potentially might be having another new article hitting the magazine in a month. Another we'll new column. We'll see what May brings us. <clears throat> well, I got pinged in well, the Discord. Well, in, in, in California, it's May Gray. I can tell you that much. <laughs> it's not much different here in Colorado. Uh, I got, got I got, in Discord. I got pinged in Discord to talk about uh, a new RFC for 8.2. Um, <clears throat> the typed class constants. I saw this, yeah. And, uh, and it's 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 really a nothing RFC. Like it's it's gonna it's gonna pass. It's gonna fly. No problem. But like I was just sort of amazed that it's not 
already there. But I don't understand the point of it. Of of casting a constant? It doesn't change. So can't you already gather what it is from the declaration? You can, which means that it's not really necessary, but it provides standardization to the structure of the program. Uh, And it also allows you to say, hey, everything has to be strictly typed and require constants to also be strictly typed. It's just a uniformity issue. Um, That makes sense. And there's also the issue that uh, constants, be the fact that they don't change, are still read on every execution of uh, the script. So uh, there's a big general misunderstanding of how typing things, statically typing things works in PHP and what it does, but it has major benefits on the execution path. And this is one of the things that has sort of been on my list in Trello for a while, which is somebody saying, hey, TypeScript has a a proposal to drop all typing, but allow it in the code. And maybe PHP should do the same thing for performance. And I was like, well, that's not how performance works in PHP. (laughs) Like it's, that's not what it does. But wasn't um, that the whole thing with TypeScript? Was that everything was typed? <clears throat> right. <laughs> yeah. So it's it's a real strange move from TypeScript. Um, it does have some performance benefits in TypeScript, but in PHP, it does not have performance benefits. It has the opposite. Uh, knowing that something is going to be typed a certain way means not having to check it constantly. And the there's Reddit threads about this where... I keep wondering like where the experts are. Uh, and I'll tell you, Sarah Goldman dropped in on one of these threads and basically said like, hey, you guys don't fucking get it. <laughs> um, but it's weird how much people are, are sort of allowing themselves to go over this without understanding how internals actually works and like why typing is important. Uh, and this is just, it's just another extension of that. I mean, I don't, I don't, I can't imagine that there's going to be any kind of opposition to this ticket. It's completely backwards compatible with every version that has supported class constants. Um, it supports all the types you would expect. It supports optional types or nullable types. Uh, it's just, the poll has been closed though. That's weird. The, so the poll or was it closed. Just not been open yet. Uh, no, no, it's not open yet. So the, it's, since it's an, since it's an official RFC, uh, <clears throat> it gets the poll at the bot the vote at the bottom, but it doesn't have an opening date for the vote. Uh, gotcha. Yeah, it's still under discussion. Ah, uh, and I'll tell you, this poll has been closed, and it, I never realized that prior to it being opened, it already said that. Yeah, I'll tell you that there hasn't been a whole lot of discussion. Most people have just sort of shrugged and said, "Oh yeah, go for it," uh, okay. as opposed to sealed classes which have had quite a bit of discussion. Cool. You know what else is good? It's good to know what your application is doing and when it's... But how would I know that? Thanks to our sponsor, Honey Badger. It keeps you up to date. Honey Badger transforms you into a DevOps hero by combining error, uptime, and cron monitoring into a single easy-to-use platform. Stop wasting your time tailing logs and deploy with swagger. Visit HoneyBadger.io today to level up. Thank Thank you, you, Honey Honey Badger. Thank you, Honey Badger. Hey, important note. Mind yes. Blender has joined us in Discord. Mind Blender! Mind Blender, welcome. I'm expecting you. <laughs> Have you guys been hey, following... Hey, Eric, you know... Hey, hang on. You know what we need? Huh? We, need an, we need somebody to write an article about the RFCs in PHP Architect. Actually, I've had this conversation with a potential contributor, 
And I pulled the plug on it because I'll explain to you my reasoning. What I told told them was I would be okay with that on RFCs that came up for vote and got accepted. But there's so many RFCs that are discussed for so, so long that don't get accepted. It doesn't make sense to waste the print on an RFC that you know, a year, you know, ends up not being accepted. Then a year later, somebody comes back to read their article like, hey, what happened to this RFC? So I, so I'm like, you know, I, I'm like, yeah, if you want to write about recently accepted RFCs as they're being added to the, to the core, that would be okay. But I disagree. And, and how often does that really happen? So much. I, I don't really care if you agree or disagree. We're a <laughs> that's, that's magazine. become so clear. Even, even, even the RFCs that, aren't accepted by the time we get around to writing about it and publishing it it's too late for for an individual to really have an opinion about it so if they say oh no that is actually a great rfc they should have accepted it there was just no reason there was no reason for the print right it's like you know a magazine of failed startups it's like what what's the purpose <laughs> okay of that right? I, I do also subscribe to that magazine <laughs> <laughs> So, so yes, it has been approached to us, and uh, I had shot it down without without consulting you, John, and I stand behind my decision. Okay. It would be it would be nice if if the RFCs had enough time to make it to print to get to the public discussion stage. But nobody can you can't vote on it unless you're no. But you can influence so you can influence voters. For example, I mean, now I am due to my I diligent work. Clear. You weren't the uh, release manager. <laughs> Well, he is. I, I rubbed a nerve there, didn't I? <laughs> I do want to be clear. If you think you can contribute to the magazine on uh, the PHP internals code, or just PHP internals in general, processes, workflows, we we are, we, I forget, John, did we release it last month or this month? It was last month, right? Well, internals? No. Test? No, it's no, this that, month. It's, it's, April. April. it's coming out tomorrow. One of my favorite articles, sneak preview, yet in PHP Architect is coming up in April. That is a feature article on a process in internals code base. If you can do that month after month, I don't care if you talk about, like I said, accepted RFCs and the impact they're going to have, workflows, how to contribute to internals, how to test internals, how to code. You want to do that? I am 100% down. I don't want to discourage you. By me saying I don't really care to have an, a column on failed RFCs, I 100% want a contributor who can write about internals month after month. I think the magazine is missing that, and I only further proved my point by the excitement I found myself having reading next month's magazine in this one uh, internals feature article. It was so refreshing to read, and I got so much out of it. I would love to get more of those. Fine, fine. I uh, won't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Twist my arm. I won't do it. <laughs> uh, have you guys been following this, uh, the Lapsus hacker group stuff? No. No. I we, we sort of stopped doing doom and gloom a while ago. but We have? Yeah. You know. But this is crazy. Group of teenagers, as young as like Fourteen. The 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 person who founded this group was fourteen years old. Were capable of penetrating uh, Microsoft Okta, which is a two FA system. They got the admin panel. 
uh, NVIDIA, Vodafone, <clears throat> they've released huge amounts of information about these companies, tons of internal documents, a bunch of you know, crazy stuff. And like no one can quite figure out how they did it until yesterday, which it turns out one of their techniques was they had compromised an email address at a police department and would start sending emails out to companies for emergency data requests, EDRs. And an emergency data request basically means like, hey, somebody's about to die unless you tell us the GPS location of the cell phone or unless you give us access to this inbox or unless you do, you know, you give your security system over to us. Uh, it's warrantless. It has no verification system behind it other than the fact that it's a .policedepartment.gov address. It's just this thing that American police departments are allowed to do. And there's basically like no checks or balances for any of this system. And so once they got a couple police department accounts, uh, they just started releasing these like emergency data requests and said, hey, uh, you know, emergency situation, many people will die if we don't get this information. And the companies they were contacting just handed over the information. So I shouldn't have. Probably not. Damn. Uh, it's, it's But what were they getting? Anything they wanted. They could contact any provider of some kind of essential internet service and get full access to any account that they wanted. So they would they would figure out the email address for somebody who was associated with uh, NVIDIA's internal development systems and then say, you know, contact Microsoft and say, I need this account right now. I need all the information in the emails and they would get it. And that would give them full access to any but kind of two FA like court order or something. Nope. No, it turns out that this system of emergency data requests sure. requires no official review and does not require the requester to supply any court approved documents. So, if your email address is a police department email address, it turns out you can basically ask for whatever you want as long as you say people are going to die if you don't get it. And there's not really a department that these companies report back to to say, hey, I got this request. So it's it's tough. It's a tough situation. Um, and with 18,000 police jurisdictions in the United States, there's no real unified way for anyone to handle these kinds of requests. You know, if I say I'm, I'm in Colorado Springs or Fountain or whatever, whatever – there's there's no one for them to fall back on and like contact the administrator of the Colorado Springs Police Department because that would require a massive database that police departments explicitly don't like to have. They don't want companies to have databases of who's employed by them. So scary stuff. Um, the the good news is that there is a particularly tech savvy uh, senator who read these articles about these you know this abuse this week and is launching a formal investigation. So something hopefully will happen out of this. But the reality is, is if you can get an address that looks like a police jurisdiction, you can basically get whatever you want through social engineering. Scary. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, I know cops They're It's not hard to get their email address access from them. <laughs> They're not cops are not particularly tech savvy either. I mean, it, the weakest part of the security chain has always been the people. I mean, that's no secret. So they've they've caught a bunch of these kids, but the problem is now it's exposed the greater vulnerability of the system. But you said Eric, that, you said it was led by a fourteen year old. It was when he when it was started. He was fourteen. I believe that most of the people in the group 
were in the nineteen, the sixteen to nineteen range when they are arrested. But how the hell does a fourteen year old think about this kind of stuff? It's boring. Definitely it's, not the stuff I was thinking. Yeah, it's, it's absolutely what I did when I was fourteen. <laughs> the internet wasn't as big that at that point, but I totally, I totally did this kind of stuff. I was definitely looking out for other things that I wasn't supposed to have, not necessarily EDRs. Well, I mean, that's you tell a fourteen year old, hey. Did you know you can get information on anybody if you just pretend you're a cop over email? They don't care. Like, cool, I'll try it. And then someone offers them money to do it. And they say, cool, I'll do it for money. We're not encouraging this behavior, as challenging as that might be to see coming from Tom. <laughs> I mean, I was kind of encouraging it. I, I, I was too busy trying to get onto a BBS as my dad at the time. Like I saw how he logged into the OBBS. He had a macro on his keyboard that put in his username and password. So when he wasn't home, as one does, I was I was logging into the BBS and playing games and looking for pictures that I wasn't supposed to have. I mean, <laughs> isn't that very much the same thing? No, no, <laughs> not even I, close. I was asking for a friend. <laughs> I know, I know that's different. Yeah, <laughs> that's completely different. Yeah, I know. Well, so but this leads to a a weird a weird sort of twist in the story is that you know if you're if you're watching anything on YouTube nowadays, you see ads for VPNs, and the ads are getting like they're very borderline on like the legality of what they're supporting. I was going to say the very same thing. It's like, they're very open. It's like, hey, if you want to watch Netflix, but the show isn't streaming in the in the country you're in, you can VPN into another country and watch yeah, that Netflix. Yeah, Like, you know, when I was... Very, very open about it. Yeah, when I was a teenager, VPNs were like, yeah, it's just a tunneling thing, but no one can follow the tunnel. And then, like, they would kind of wink at you. But now they're mm-hmm. like, no, you can circumvent, like... All the terms of services you signed, you can do illegal shit in Russia. Knock yourself out, kid. And like that's that's YouTube. But one of these VPNs kind of like went a little too far. So Liquid VPN basically said, "Hey, uh, we give you access to Popcorn Time, which has all these pirated movies, and uh, no one can catch you downloading these movies." Like so, they're like their marketing explicitly said like Popcorn Time access that's untraceable. Interesting. Um, and it, it turns out that, like, well, yeah, like, you know, you, you can trace it to the users, but you could trace their VPN to what it was watching. So mm-hmm. uh, so they got ordered to pay $14 million in damages. <laughs> because they said, like, if, if your VPN is saying, like, hey, you can, you can do these illegal things and no one can catch you, then, like, guess where the responsibility falls <laughs> right there. It's like they're not providing a different service than anyone else. They were just marketing it differently. And their marketing ended up costing them $14 million. Plus, the, because they were using the, the name Popcorn Time, they lost a, a judgment for $250,000 to the owners of Popcorn Time. <laughs> I, yeah. you know, and I, I, I'm not even sure how true that is. Uh, Ableton's and Discord kind of touches on it as well. Providers always seem to know um, that you're using a VPN. So we we actually have a VPN. I, I have a couple of VPN solutions I use. I use a VPN um, that I pay for. I have a VPN 
for Diego Dev that we created. Uh, that Which is a pain to, in the ass. It's a huge pain in the ass, but it's a, it's a great security tool to have because it allows us to lock down servers for certain access, like SSH access, to uh, you know a particular IP address. And then I have VPNs uh, for clients that we have. They, they'll have a certain VPN I need to be on to work on their material. Mm-hmm. And I have accidentally been on any one of those three VPNs. And if I hit uh, Hulu or Netflix, it always says, hey, it looks like you're talking to us through a VPN or you're, you're not talking to us through a proxy. Um, we're not going to stream anything to you because we can't figure out where you're actually at. I'm like, okay, dick. Yeah, I work for a living and I had my company VPN on. I'm fucking sorry. And, you know, turn it off to get it up. So, I don't know. I mean, it's... I, I've been I've been a little curious to try some of these services that claim that, but I don't, I don't care enough to do it because it really... I'm not that person. I, I don't... I don't care enough about it, but I'm I'm all I, for a VPN for what you're talking about. Accessing machines behind a firewall makes perfect sense. I use a VPN for one of our clients where not all of my traffic goes through them, only my traffic to those machines on the VPC and AWS, for example. So I don't have the same issue as when I'm connected to our Diego Dev where we're we're tunneling all traffic through the VPN. So now when I go to other sites, I'm constantly finding myself being blocked. And I'm assuming it's something about DigitalOcean is being blocked at Cloudflare. So mm. constantly having issues connecting to different... I can't even go to the USPS.gov. Mm. You know, go into pay for postage or check on rates and get blocked there. So well, yeah. I, I end stuff, up only connecting to the VPN very short term. Yeah, a lot of stuff still relies on IPv4 matching and blacklisting and whitelisting and there's a there's a lot of scripts out there to try to figure out if this ip address that keeps hitting you is a vpn or not and once they once they flag that ip there are legitimate uses for vpn there are just whatever some there are and i I will say if if you are somebody who works a lot remote like if you work from cafes and stuff a vpn is not a bad idea because you you never you can never be too sure. But is it still uh, the true these days? Yes. Yeah, even so. even even though most things are over HTTPS at this point, hundred percent. Well, it doesn't matter. I mean, again, you could be at a Starbucks that has a compromised uh, router or something that that's being sniffed. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there, there's all these. Kind well, of H- HTTPS is at the client situations. level, but the the situation is that HTTPS is the primary method. There are still ways of spoofing certificates between the client and then between the middleman and the server. So it can look like you're on HTTPS, but you're actually not. Um, This is actually, glad you brought it up, a big issue with Chrome right now. I'm not sure if you guys have updated Chrome recently, but there is... It says update right now, but I haven't done it in a while. There is a zero day on Chrome that allows for arbitrary code execution that they have not disclosed how it's exploited or anything like that. They just disclosed that it's been exploited and that North Korea is actively using it to compromise machines running Chrome. Um, Beyond that, the method of exploiting Chrome is so sophisticated that they wait to footprint you or fingerprint you as an exploitable system, spin up a virtual server instance to serve that exploit to you one time 
and then break down the whole system again so that no one else who inspects the uh, behavior later on can pull what actually got sent to you. Uh, it's these. It's it's a very sophisticated attack. <laughs> and uh, if you're running Chrome, as soon as this episode is over, make sure you update and restart. <laughs> but I mean, that's the kind of thing that uh, that using a VPN is still helpful for. The problem is, is that VPNs, advertising for VPNs has become such an incredibly prevalent thing that people who are just doing basic web surfing at home are trying to use a VPN and everyone's getting funneled through a few thousand IP addresses now. And I, I think the the advertising for VPNs is very strange. Like one of the biggest advertisers for VPNs is is on PewDiePie's channel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I see them all over the place. And I'm like, it's odd they don't advertise on a programming podcast. That seems weird. I don't think it's that. Why they? Don't I don't do think that. it's that odd because they they should. Well, Linus Tech <laughs> Tips did did do VPN advertising for a while. And basically, as soon as they were informed that the VPN was not being as clear about their logging policies as they were saying, Linus Tech Tips canceled the advertising contract and dedicated an episode addressing how VPNs can lie to you and they're not actually as secure as you think. <laughs> Which is, turns out if you fuck with tech people, uh, they kind of fuck back. <laughs> it's, it's strange. <sighs> What's strange is we've been doing this for 280 episodes. Thanks. To our supporters. That hey, we came in under the wire. I knew there was something I forgot to do. <laughs> <laughs> it's technically still March here on the left coast, so uh, we're good. No, it's still oh, March yeah. here. It's still yeah, we're good. That that that's what he's saying. It, it's April on the other coast at this point. Yeah. Huge thank you to all our thank all you. our patrons. We're still. I'm, I'm working on getting a uh, new layout for the. Uh, for the YouTube podcast. Did you get your new machine set up yet? It is set up. It's not, uh, I haven't reinstalled Windows. I've just discovered that if I only run a couple tabs at a time, I'm good. Classic Windows, man. Yeah. <laughs> <sighs> it's true about How Linux about you, John? How's your laptop? You're, you, you've got a System76 laptop. I, I'm very curious about this. We He's haven't had time only to talk one. about it. Oh, yeah. We, we have a couple people in our Discord who have new System76 uh, laptops. Honestly, I haven't done a lot with it. I just how do you, how, how's the build quality on it? Are you happy with it? Does it feel good? If, it feels fine. It's super light. Um, but I just haven't done much with it other than make sure it was installed. I don't even think I have PHP Storm on it yet, to be honest. That's why I, I need mean, it. That's I need something to be ashamed of. I need. That's why I need to do some more remote work with you and get it all set up and working <laughs> right. Absolutely. Now, it, well, you got to get that. You got to get get that Cloudflare SSH tunnel set up in your desktop now as well, man. That okay. that, that was a complete game changer for me. I need to figure that out too. Yeah, definitely. Why Why Cloudflare SSH? By the way. Oh, I don't know. It just worked really well. I, I like the security around it. So if if you find another one, get SSH access. I mean, even if you want to, I wouldn't necessarily recommend doing port forwarding on your system. But if you really wanted to, you could do that. Um, I, all right, all right. Still well, working on my my home like server setup. But yeah, why do you why do you have a home server? What what's that for? I'm a filthy pirate. We've gone over what? this. You talking about for your for your pirated movies and stuff and stuff? <laughs> okay, right. your home entertainment system. I mean, I, when you say server, I, I think different things. So. Oh no, it's just it's it's a server. 
Okay, it's a server. It's a <laughs> server. All right. Hey, no. Tom's got a server. It's like to you, okay? That's that's above average. <laughs> to you too, buddy. All right. I used to have push. I used I used to have two racks in my in my house. Well, yeah, then you got it. cancer and had to get rid of one of them. That's actually... <laughs> that, no, that's not what happened. Was, you have the strangest obsession with my balls. I, I, I do. See, now, now I should slap you and say, keep my balls out your mouth! <laughs> keep my balls out oh, your mouth! Oh, right. How do you suggest a title in our Discord channel, discord.phpugly.com? <laughs> <laughs> okay yes uh, uh bang title and then what you think the title should be i <laughs> uh, can't wait to see the thumbnail on that one so i'm so glad we i'm so glad we did not Tom, we need you to make further. this face <laughs> all right uh, i think that's it that's I think it's it. good John, I'm happy to have you back. I'm happy to be back. Uh, for sure. We're happy to have the April edition of PHP Architect coming out tomorrow. Uh, we have some new subscribers to our print edition, and I've gotten some positive feedback on the quality. Something that always slips through the cracks with the print edition of PHP Architect is the quality. It is very nice quality magazine. So... Uh, and we do have monthly print subscriptions now. You can do a monthly print subscription and see if you like it. But this is not an, an official sponsor of uh, PHP Ugly. We just, you know. Just seems that way with the t-shirts love, and love the, the magazine. Hats. Yeah, just love the magazine. You know? It's just uh, kind of important to us. <laughs> All right, that's it for episode 280 for PHP Ugly. I'm Eric. I'm John. I'm Tom. Keep it Keep ugly. It Keep ugly. it ugly. We're dancing and there's nobody there. One, two, one, two. Uh, coming off the top. Y'all know how we do. Listen, I'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish. I'ma send a shout out to the host named Eric. Yo, he's never on some average shit. You know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate. I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song. Yo, shout the host name Thomas because he's never wrong. Yo, shout to John. You know that he's smart and quiet. Unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot. I'm about to do it like this because the people love me. Shouts out to PHP, the ugly, it's called ugly cause it's not professional, but I'm about to come through and bless it with style, so let's do it when I'm spitting, I perfume the room, yo, the segment of the show is called doom and gloom, that came from Thomas, yeah, can nobody go beyond this, I get the mic and then I'm about to keep it like a promise, yeah, and y'all know we fill them up with anguish, we talking about the PHP, the programming language, about to break it down, no exaggeration, what do y'all do for a living web applications, okay, I I can dig it, my words spray tight, uh, they gettin' together on the Thursday nights, yeah, when it comes to rhyming, you can call me the new dude, I spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on YouTube, so let's get it, you know my lyrics are major, all up in the comments, they got plenty of haters, but they doing what they doing, keep it ugly, we ending every show with the saying, it's lovely, let's go, yeah, come on.